Does anybody else call you Bam Bam? Or is that just It's here? been a long time since I have been regularly called Bam Bam because I got that nickname in the fire service. So, I, you know, it, they, you know, I tore up a lot of stuff. So, they started calling me Bam Bam there. Uh, um, when I, whenever I got out of the fire service, they, they quit calling. Now, there's a couple people that I work with there that still call me that. But, yeah. yeah. Tore a bunch of stuff up. I did, yeah. House is on fire. They don't need the windows. How you doing today, Bam Bam? I'm good, man. How you doing? You ready? I'm ready. What about you? Yeah, it's end of the week. I'm ready. How was your ride in? It was fine. Yeah, it was was still, um, you know, I I stayed on the phone the whole time. Do you talk on the phone on your way to work? I try not to. I try to listen to music, especially on Fridays. I try to listen to... A little bit of music. If you know. I get in your car right now, what kind of music is playing in, in Bam Bam's car? Um, Truck. 80s hair bands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's your jam? Yep, yep, yep. Since I don't have any, I like listening to hair bands. Uh, bon Jovi? Well, yeah, who yeah, is that? I listen That's, to all genres. Who's that 80s hair bands? Who, uh, you know, give Skid me one. Row, Bon Jovi, Motley Crue. You know, I like Iron Maiden, uh, stuff like that. But I listen to all genres. It just depends on what my mood is. Today it was eighties hair band. Today I was I was needing a little pep, so <laughs> so so I was uh, smoking in the boys' room, and and then I was uh, listening to other stuff. Just yep, a barrage of eighties. Maybe hair if band. I listened to more music coming in, then it would kind of set the tune for. I, I was on the phone. I was dealing with issues at six o'clock this morning. Yeah, yeah. Usually I listen to rap on Fridays. Do you? I had a conversation with Deja about that yesterday. One of our fine, upstanding crackpot, just jam up uh, research department members. <laughs> about You were talking about your love? About uh, how rapping. I like to listen to a little bit of rap. Well, who's your favorite? Rap? Man. Yeah. <laughs> just pick one. Snoop. You, you're a Snoop fan. I like Snoop. Yeah. What's your favorite Snoop song? Um, <laughs> probably G's and Hustlers. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Look, we had to. <laughs> so let, let me tell you, let me tell you this. I, I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you, the, the, have you ever encountered road rage? I, I think I saw some this morning on the way in. No, I, I yeah, I've seen it before. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen a, a. A younger person in a, in a, in a Cadillac kind of pushing up on my bumper and then swung out, did the old hard swing out with the with the light flash uh, on me. Really? Yeah, yeah. And what'd you do? I just, I, I conducted myself according to our core values and did not do anything. Well, yeah, I'm proud of you. Yes. I mean, did that take some self-restraint? I, you would not believe the amount of self-restraint that that took. I, you know what? You made me think of a story. My brother and I, when we first got our license, he was he's about a year younger than me, 13 months, and we were driving around, and we thought we were cool, man. We had our car, and we're driving, and this truck, 18-wheeler, did something, pulled out in front of us. I don't know what happened, but we come by, and um, – my brother was in the passenger seat, and he threw up his middle finger. And we went by, and we laughed. we thinking we're all cool, and we forget about this truck. And we pull up to a stoplight about 
two or three minutes later. And all of a sudden we hear, and those brakes locked on. And this guy comes out of the truck and he starts hammering on my brother's window. He said, give me that finger now, boy. (laughs) I said, go. Hit the gas. Big pedal you can't on the do that anymore. You can't. No, no. no you well, can't I'm proud of you. I'm glad you didn't do I anything. Did. I, I restrained myself. Now, if I'd have been in my personal vehicle, um, I would have probably waved at them with half the peace sign. But, but I try to, you know. You were representing the brand. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You got a guest for us today? I do, man. I do. And he's a buddy of mine. And uh, you ready? You yeah, ready to bring him yeah, in? I'm ready to bring him in. Well, let's get to it. The sound of that tractor means it's time for us to go to work. Welcome to the Give Us the Dirt podcast powered by Hoopa Graining Company. I am Brandon, this is Bam Bam, and we are your hosts. Well, I'm excited about this one. Let's introduce our guest. Today, we've got a guest who's not only a senior project controller, but also someone who's deeply passionate about safety, education, and all things mining. John Keene is a true industry veteran with over a decade of experience in the world of gold, silver, and copper production. John's journey in the industry began in 2008, and since then, he's worn many hats, from working on mechanical piping to handling civil projects, even diving into the world of project management. But there's a twist to his story that sets him apart. Over the past seven years, John's been a key part of the team at Oceana Gold, a company that's blowing up the mining industry. You see what they did there? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. But here's where it gets interesting. John is not just crunching numbers and managing projects. He's also a genuine hero as a member of the mine rescue team, which John considers it his most significant professional achievement. So grab your mining helmets. Let's get the dirt on essential metals, renewable energy, and the incredible story of John Keene, a man who's helping to keep our mind safe and our world running smoothly. How you like that, John? That's impressive. That's impressive. It sounds a heck of a lot better uh, than than what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, welcome to the Gives the Dirt podcast. It's good to have you here. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. How did Bam Bam talk you into doing this? Um, he's done a lot for me over the years, for one hundred percent. Has he? And, and uh, it's it's hard to say no when Bam Bam asks for a, for a, a favor, a visit, or, or, or just a hello. So. Well, that's great. Well, he, he's told me a little bit of your story, but I'm excited to get to hear uh, more of it today because it sounds like you've had a pretty fascinating career. And, right. um, and it sounds like he's given you credit for some of it already. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, wow. 100% well, hey, credit for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of it. Hey, you know, uh, John is, is, I met John at the gold mine. Um, he came in with another company, a subcontracted company. Uh, and you were safety then. I was with, safety with, then, correct. With the, with the company. Correct. And uh, me and John got to be tight because their mobile unit was right next to security's mobile unit at the gold mine. So we were kind of became cohorts there. And then John came on with the gold mine with the uh, with Oceana Gold, and uh, I snatched him up and put him on the rescue team. So I can't wait to learn more about this rescue th- team uh, because that you know I know you said here that's what you consider your most uh, significant professional achievement. I can't wait to hear more about that. But I want to let's start let's start with how you got into this. How did you get into the mining industry? Man, that is a long, long story, and I I like to go back a little bit there. And talk about how I got here to South Carolina and then how I got into mining because never in a million years that I expect to be doing what I'm doing right now. Um, 
uh, I was working in a different trade um, back on the West Coast, actually, and uh, decided to move to South Carolina around 2008. Um, just wanted a, a change of pace, and I wanted a, a great place to live, and, and, and South Carolina really fit that bill. The Charlotte area in general, actually, is what I was really kind of aiming for, and um, didn't ex just expected to continue on doing what I was doing. Actually, it was commercial printing, of all things. Um, and that market really had a drop in production or, you know, around that time, the advent of the internet. So I kind of got back into the trade of or the construction trade because I did that to pay my way through college back in the day. And man, I fell into it and I started to just really love working outside. Working now, what were you fields. doing in college? What was your role construction job in college? Oh, oh, well in college, I was a biology major. But I knew how to swing a hammer, and it paid better than most other jobs. There you go. So that's what I was doing. Um, so I'd work after hours, weekends, summer breaks, all to save money just so I wouldn't be uh, broke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you, you're in commercial printing. Correct. But the goal was to get to East Coast. You wanted to be here. Correct. So you move, you find yourself in South Carolina. Did the, did the job bring you here or did you come here and say, now I got to find a job? Came here, now I got to find a job. Okay. Had nothing planned, just arrived and said, the place is big enough to find work. And um, took me a couple weeks, found myself a job, got back in the trades and, uh, and the construction trade. And I was working for a, a, a contractor, basically. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. You know, you get to go to so many different places, meet so many people, learn so much about different industries because you never know if you're going to be working at a paper mill, something quite common around here, um, pl plywood manufacturing plant, paint plant, you know, forges, all kinds of things. And eventually, after uh, years and years um, doing all kinds of tasks and jobs in this company, I find myself working at a mine. Who would have thought it? So how did that happen? What do you mean? So how do you how do you go? How do you find yourself working in mine? Did somebody call you and say, "Hey, we have an opening at the mine"? Or well, like Rusty had just said, you know, we we were actually part of the contract crew that was actually building the mine. It was kind of starting up again. You know, okay. this mine's been around for over two hundred years, eighteen twenty seven, almost two hundred years. Um, but it's opened and closed throughout the years. Is this the same mine that you're at today? The same mine I am okay. at today. So when they decided to reopen it back in 2015-ish, um, my company was was actually contracted to come and help build parts of that mine and the processing facilities there. So I came along with my company, and they they actually, that was actually the first time I was full-time safety for that company was at that mine job. I it, remember this mine opening back up, and it was... It was, uh, I remember it because I had, like most people in this area, I had no idea that there were gold mines around this area. That's still true. That most people don't know? <laughs> yeah, 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 correct. I had no idea, but evidently the gold mining was huge around here. We've got several uh, abandoned mines in this area. Multiple, multiple. Wow. Heck, there's even a state park just north of here in, uh, is it Monroe? Not Monroe. Uh, the Reed Gold Mine. Reed Gold Mine. Yeah, Reed, Reed Gold Mine. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's an old abandoned mine, same era as Hale Gold Mine was down in South Carolina. Wow, it started around the same time. Same vein. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. A lot of people don't realize that the the gold rush was here before it was out west. Uh, so that's you know that and and a lot of people you when you tell people um, 
that you used to work at a gold mine like I did or that John does, and they're like, where's it at? You know, they, no, you know nobody knows. So. so what was that first job? So that first job, so the first job I was working uh, at the mine, I was working as a, a safety representative for the company that I was working for. Um, and I think I was doing that for about eight, nine months from December through August, basically. Um, and I was trying to keep my crew, you know, as safe as they possibly could be our primary concern. Um, but still, you know, you know, helping our company deal with our client, which is which is a huge part of anybody. You got to work with your client and, and figure out a way to facilitate getting the job done doing it the way we need to do it to keep ourselves safe and doing it the way the client wants. Yep. And so that was, that was a, a big aspect of what I was trying to do there for those months. Um, and then being as helpful and open uh, as I possibly could be with everybody involved, all the stakeholders. Um, and I, I do believe that's why I ended up getting signed on to the gold mine. I, I was, I was, there was an issue that was not really in my area, but um, you know, I, I helped kind of, mend some of that or, or fix it so that way it was um, compliant with all the different things that needed to, to happen. And uh, that's kind of when the gold mine actually approached me and said, hey, you know, we like your attitude. Um, why don't you consider coming on with a gold mine? And a few months later, uh, there I was. Wow. Wow. That was an interesting twist to the story. I, I, I thought you had been in mining no. your entire career. You just no. found yourself at the right time and the right place and Correct. right in, opportunity. Industrial mechanical piping uh, and, it, and actually a few, other, a few other areas of expertise. They also had a civil crew and an electrical crew, but I kind of did more of the industrial mechanical piping aspect of everything was kind of sort of my bread and butter. Um, and yeah. We so 15 years you've yeah. been at the gold mine now and well, you've played, have you worn different hats throughout that 15 years? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one thing. That's one thing I love about, well, any job I get or any, any, any task that I'm assigned to, you know, um, you got to have growth and, and you, you got to have a good attitude and, and you find that you get new hats as, as you mature and, and leadership sees that. So I started out as a simple safety advisor um, and bread and butter. You're in, you're in the trenches. You're out there with the guys every single day. Um, and it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. You know, you got to care about people and I do, and you get there and you help people do what they need to do. Um, what makes me really proud about my, or when I was doing that and still to this day is when, when, when people come and look for you to ask you for your help, your opinion, know how do I actually get whatever it is done done um, I think that's a good sign that you're doing things the right way um, so that's how I started um, and, and I was doing that for a few years and then all of a sudden a training opportunity came up um, our, our trainer actually retired quite suddenly I might add mm -hmm. and <laughs> all of a sudden I heard on a Friday that Monday I'd be starting the training and I'd have to do a 24-hour class <laughs> starting Monday morning and so that was a little bit of a shock. That wasn't a question, was it? No, no. <laughs> he was voluntold. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. next paycheck was going to be picked up in Alabama or something <laughs> like that. that. Oh, well, that might be uh, You've been listening. I've been listening. Uh, yeah. That's great. Yeah, I have no hair bands in the car. I listen to podcasts almost 95% <laughs> of the time. Yeah, that was from uh, Henry Batten's. 
Henry Battens was he concrete supply? Concrete supply. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I couldn't remember if it was him or, or there was a roofer that kind of. Yeah, your next well. paycheck's going to be yeah. in Alabama. I suggest you be there be in Alabama. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. My next my next task was uh, starting a twenty four hour class on Monday morning. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so then I was a trainer there for quite a while, and man, you know, I, 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 I did enjoy that job, and I will say, um, I will say that uh, it does get a little bit repetitive after a while. And uh, one of the saving graces was every Thursday morning, old Bam Bam would come and, and, and teach a little two hours for me just to get me away from that classroom for just that little bit of time. And man, did I appreciate that 100%. <laughs> yeah. You have no idea. What was your role at the time? So you guys, when you were working together, what were you doing, Bam Bam? That was right between whenever I transitioned from security to safety. So I, I was I was actually doing security and safety and then the, you know, the, Corporate safety guy come over there and said, "You're now safety." So uh, you got the same interview that John did. I did. Yes, <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah. The same guy may have interviewed us, <laughs> but yeah. So it's actually not a bad out. strategy. Yeah, yeah. I like that. We might have to do that. Hey, yeah. your next job is this. Yeah. Don't pull in here Monday morning. Go to yeah. <laughs> Go to there. Yeah. <laughs> As, yeah, it's a little bit scary, you know, but you're like, okay, I got, you know, I got a weekend to prep or whatever, but, but yeah, yeah, I would go over there and, and try to help John out because I knew that being in the class and, and the same thing for the students as well. Uh, you know, John's a wonderful instructor, one of the best that you will ever sit through a class in. But sometimes they just need a little break too. The, the the people in the class just need a break. You know, mm -hmm. we we try to rotate out in there so they're not listening to the same person for three days, um, and that's why. You know, it's it's just not that just the instructor, but the students. You know, need a break as well, and and uh, we were able to do that. You know, those those changes, whether they're small, like over a few day class, or even in your career, are just. A wonderful thing yeah. you know you get it you know and it's usually a vote of confidence somebody looks at you and says hey i think this person is available and able to do this next step and when you get uh when you get voluntold to use the yeah, term yeah. i've heard before um you know it, it, that's the way i take it you know they they expect and, and think that we can do the job or i can do the job and uh i'm going to meet that challenge head on and it's actually a nice change of pace tell yeah. you the truth you know, you can get stagnant in any job. It helps get, you know, we talk about complacency and safety often, but you can get complacent anywhere if you're not if you're not growing or learning or, or doing something new. Absolutely, yeah. We're always trying to find new ways and uh, break up the monotony of it a little bit. You've got to have energy to do that too, and that's a, that's a tough gig. And uh, So you're a safety uh, advisor. You go to trainer. I go to trainer. Um, do that for a few years. Uh, that change that uh, now I become a, a senior safety advisor um, kind of get back in the field I, I do a little bit of contractor uh, safety contractor site contractor representative I guess you'd call it yeah, yeah. Um, move back into the processing plant you know we try to change that up at least your 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 area of responsibility um, actually uh, worked a little bit with the um, heavy equipment as well for, for a little bit of time and that was actually kind of new to me at the time I, I I had always been more on the uh, 
like I said, industrial side earlier. So process plant and those kinds of things were, were really my comfort zone. So they pushed me out of my comfort zone when I started dealing with heavy equipment, which is something that you guys do all the time. So That's great. Did you enjoy that? I did enjoy that. I did enjoy that very much, but a lot to learn there. And you, know, you just find the right people, those that are willing to teach and, uh, you know, People have the right answers. People know what's right. And you just got to be willing to help motivate that and, and reinstill the, the, the values of the company or, or just the core values that we have. So that, that, was the, that was my role there for a while. John, listening to you, so I, gotta, I, I need to know, what is a, what is a gold mine operation look like now? Are y'all still using like the, the pans and... And doing on, that on a bigger scale, on a yeah, bigger, sl- a slightly bigger scale. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of people watch the the gold rush on. on is that Discovery? Right. I think? Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's that's an aspect of mining, but that's that's not what we we do here in South Carolina. And most large mines are not doing that kind of thing. Um, we're actually we're actually mining gold, and it is a large operation. We have probably around six hundred employees now. Um, and yeah, we, we utilize blasting and, and heavy equipment to move, you know, hundreds of tons of gold per hour or Hundred, sorry, hundreds of tons of ore of per them. hour. Yes. Yes. And, uh, so walk me through, tell me for those that are listening and people like myself that have never been inside of a gold mine, is it a big open pit? Is it underground? Are you, and then are you, are you digging in big chunks of gold come out? Gotcha. Well, yeah. Yes, no, and both. Um, yeah, currently, currently, uh, Hale Gold Mine is a, or historically, Hale Gold Mine has been an open pit mine, which is kind of what you would think of when you see a, the, the pictures of those big hole in the grounds that look like little stair steps coming down. Um, but last year, we actually started our underground operations as well. So now okay. we have a, a tunnel, or we call it a portal, heading down underground um, into basically an ore body that is deeper than what we can reach from the surface um so we're actually doing both um and like i said we're we're blasting the material and moving it up you know moving it onto the surface from underground or 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 just transporting it from the pit and uh, taking it to a large large crusher and feeding a a processing plant that grinds everything down and then um, extracts the gold through uh through that chemical process and then melt it down and sell that so that's how How do you extract the gold is it are you floating it yeah, we float, we float, we float, yeah, and once we grind everything down to a, to a small enough part, particulate size, about 13 microns, actually, yeah, we float that gold, and we, uh, we send that through a, a leaching process where we extract the gold utilizing carbon, and we send that to, uh, to our refinery and get that refined, so that's actually what we're doing there, um, and yeah, that's, like I said, uh, hundreds of tons per, per hour just processing that material. That's incredible. It is. Pretty awesome. Uh, yep. You ever walked around and said, seeing a gold nugget laying there on the ground? And uh, I, I tell you what, the gold there is 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 basically <laughs> microscopic. Yeah. However, I've worked there eight years, and I've I've always had my eyes on. I shouldn't say always, but often had my eyes on the ground. And um, do they weigh you when you leave? No. <laughs> no. But you have I, to weigh in and weigh yeah, out but, every day. But, but I will say this: I, I, I'm still working, so I obviously haven't found. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's securities there, and Russell could talk about that. But it, you know, unless you're, you know, there's not there's not the opportunity for for that kind of. That's uh, incredible. 
That, what yeah. it sounds like an impressive operation. Obviously, a company like Oceana Gold, they know how much gold is there. They know where it's at. You guys uh, plan to be there a long time, I imagine. Indeed, indeed. You know, a lot of people have said, you know, our goal is to have uh, parents, kids, and and grandparents working there. You know, have all the different generations, and that actually has occurred. You know, at the mine site, there are there are a few families that have three generations working there and we hope to keep that going yeah. into the future 100 percent. one of the things and, and i love about your story and i hear you know as you talk about wearing all these different hats the places where i can see you get excited are the times where you were out in the field with as you said in the trenches with the team yes is that the case yes. is that what some of the best times you've had absolutely yeah. absolutely i mean Every member of the team is important. Every job on the mine side is important. You know, from, you know, the, pers- the first person you see at the gate to the, to the last person you say goodbye to at the end of the day. You know, we all pull together to get stuff done. Um, but, you know, there's something about being at that leading edge where, where you got people that are, that are doing that rugged work outside and, and being there, helping them, um, those are some of the best days and they can be long they can be stressful they can be wet um but you know you got a sense of satisfaction when when you when you walk away and you you got that task done or that you know that's that's the piece that i bet people are always questioning you know you they hear long stressful wet hot dirty and then they think why would you want to go back why would that be one of the best times of your career you what is that you get that satisfaction. You get that satisfaction of a job well done, a hard won battle, at the end of the day. Yeah. And there's not there's there's not much better than that. Yeah. There really isn't. There really isn't. You know you made a change or a difference, one way or the other, and um and and you can't. You, it's you hard can't to replicate that. that kind of satisfaction in any yep. other sitting behind a desk. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. it helps you gain validity out there with the with the oh, guys 100%. and girls out there. As well, if you out there with them, you know that was you've listened to some of the podcasts that we've done. Thank you, by the way. No problem. I told you we had a listener. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. John's the one. John's the guy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we've we've really concentrated on telling the stories of of owners and founders and and that C suite, and we we started getting feedback that you're not talking to people that are out there in the dirt. Right. that are out there in the trenches, on the ground, that are doing the stuff. And we said, you know what, we're going to. And so you've been there. You've done that. Oh, yeah. What are the challenges that are happening out there in the field right now? What are, the, what are they talking about when leadership's not around? You know, that, you know that's, that's a good question. Um, you know, honestly, honestly, if, you, if you've instilled the right crew or if you have the right ethics or the right values in a company um and this is what i see in the field all the time is people want to do the right thing and they and they want to get the job done um obviously you know not every day is the best day and and sometimes people don't have or always have the best attitudes but generally speaking you got the right group of people they want to figure out how to get it done safely the way it's supposed to be um and that is usually that is usually the goal that is usually what I hear being talked about in the field. Um, and, I, and that's, that's hugely important. That's what got me to where I was at. You know, I, I mean, I, you know, you kind of started, I started green in the construction industries, I guess, again, 15 years ago. 
and having that right attitude and that attitude of that, you know, what can I do to do a little bit better or do a little bit more or learn something is what really helps get you where you want to be in the future. You know? Yeah. I think every contractor out there would say, yeah, we, we all like, if we could have the right group of people doing Mm -hmm. things for the right reasons, the right way, that's what we all want. But how do you do that? How do you, and it sounds like you guys took an approach similar to what we that you start growing them, you start teaching them. Is that how, is that what you guys were doing there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And not necessarily bring them in the classroom and teach them. It was teach them out in the field. You know, hey, uh, hey, let's look at it another way. You know, let's look at a different way to do this. I think there might be a safer way to do it or a better way or or something that, you know, may take a little bit more time, but, you know, you're going to get to go home at the end of the day. Uh, And John was real good about that uh, out there with him. Had a good rapport with everybody out there and out in the field and everything, you know, out in the field and the processing plant all the way in the admin building. Um, and that's how you build that rapport is let's look at it from a different angle. Let me put a fresh set of eyes on it, but I ain't going to exclude your comments or your suggestions. We're just going to talk about, Oh, it. you, you want to use them. Yeah. You, absolutely. you need those. Nobody you know, knows it better you, than they do. They know, they know yeah. all you're there is to help guide somebody, but yeah, that, that's the way to do it. You got to build that relationship with somebody. And like I said earlier, you know, you want them coming in and saying, Hey, I got a tough job here. I think I know what I need to do, but do you mind reviewing this or, or taking a look at it or yep. giving me a, just your perspective of it? There's no better compliment to somebody who's a leader than when their guys come in and, and actually look for your assistance or your help in getting something done. Yeah, we talk about that uh, in some of our training classes here. We talk about the five uh, levels of leadership, and you start out, that first one is positional, right? You're the boss, mm-hmm. and that's all they know you as. You, they're going to do what you say because they have to. Uh, but then you move into that next level where they they're doing it because of they resp- the respect they have for you. You've earned their trust. You've got that respect. You've been out there in the trenches with them, and now they're coming to you because they respect who you are and what you know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about the mine rescue team. Oh man, this- is this like a SWAT team of just like the baddest dudes? in the mining business that just like an elite that's what i'm that's I, absolutely it was why i am no that, that it's actually kind of an interesting it's an interesting twist in, in 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 a career or something to that effect where um it's actually a, a federal law that mines need to have a rescue team um and the concept behind that goes back a, a few years you know uh, in the event of some kind of you know emergency um a lot of local uh, departments, you know, we, the people that we rely on here in the United States don't have the training or equipment uh, for the specific hazards that you might encounter on a mine site. It's just a different beast out there. And uh, so uh, the law actually requires that mines actually have a team that's ready to deal with the issues that might occur at a mine site. So that gives, that gives every mine, every mine has a rescue team. Um, and that's actually, you know, kind of an interesting thing. And so uh, I think Rusty said he was uh, one of the initial here. I think he started the rescue team, yeah, if I, yeah, I remember I correctly. Um, and so he went out and recruited uh, recruited some top-notch people. And he even asked me to come and join the team as well. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it, it's, it, it really, um, 
it really stretches you. You know, there's a lot of things that you're learning, that you're training for, that puts you beyond your comfort zone. And it is a, a wonderful, wonderful challenge. And, and man, just being out there and being able to help people in a time of need um, is, is, is just a, a, an awesome responsibility and, and just makes you feel like you, you, you did something great at the end of the day. Well, you know, you hope, we hope that it's always training. But, you know, the reality is, is that sometimes, you know, you need to go out there and actually do something. And um, and that has been that has been something that has stretched stretched me and, and helped me help me grow. And it's it's actually an interesting uh, actually kind of wanted to bring this up in, in a little bit different vein. Um, you know, if, if you're out there and, and you're and you're working and you want to change and you want to change in your career or change in your trajectory um, and it doesn't have to be a rescue team per se, but. You know, if you're volunteering for things, you have to you have you have to show responsibility in doing that, and and you're growing your leadership in that. And all of a sudden, one of the biggest issues we have with like the rescue team is that is that as people mature on this team, you know, they get more and more responsibility in other areas of their job or their career, and then it gets harder and harder to hold them on that team because all of a sudden they have more responsibility somewhere else. So we constantly have fresh new recruits and we're going back to square one and and getting things off the ground again and you know that's 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 exciting you know and all of a sudden you were the trainee and you're becoming the trainer after you've been on that team for a year or two or three and all of a sudden now now you're the grizzled old veteran you know that 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 knows what needs to happen and uh you know before you know it you know you might take a turn somewhere else you someone sees what you're doing there you you have that responsibility and and you find yourself in a different position or a different schedule and all of a sudden you got to juggle everything around and you know it, it really is something that I you know I'm very proud of I'm very proud of and, and getting a chance to do that and uh, participate in that you know it's been been a highlight at the mine site you know some of those best days you know were long hard once again you know we talked about outdoors and whatnot you know you're you're sweaty and dirty and you climbed up some some uh, some scaffolding and repelled off some structure and you know turned a turned a car you know cut a car apart and pulled it apart and, you know and but that, those are fun days. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. What does that look like? What does that training look like? Because if I'm hearing you right, this is a this is a a special group. I'm a, we're gonna call, we're gonna use the word elite elite group. That sounds better, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is an elite group that all you do is train for a situation that you hope you never have to use. Exactly. Exactly. You hope you never have to actually use it. Has your has your rescue team ever been deployed? Um, we have we have been deployed on the mine site. Luck, luckily, uh, well, I guess most of the time it's been you know fairly minor incidents, and those are the best ones. You know, you want you want it to you want people to have overreacted, and it's not nearly as bad as they thought it was. That's right. that's beautiful you know oh that's it's just a it's just a boo-boo not a <laughs> life-changing event um uh one of the exciting ones I, I remember i remember we had to rescue somebody out of a truck you know so we had to climb up onto a truck we had to use our rope rescue system set it up get the harnesses on climb up this truck and, and rescue somebody out of the truck you know and, and you're utilize you're finally utilizing all those skills and and you, and you got in the back of your head, you know that that training starts to kick in, and and you start realizing how important it is, how important that training was, because when you're actually out there doing it, and you have the stress of an actual event, you know, now you 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 hope it just kicks in like second nature, as opposed to wait, how do we do this again? And, and you don't you don't want to be fumbling, you know, you want to be uh, be in charge of that situation, and that's that's that's. 
So how often were you training and, and what did the training look like? So, so the train, the training there occurs, let's see, you know, uh, it's a, it's a monthly class. So, you know, we end up going to about 12 training sessions a year, you know, give or take. Um, and then we change that up a little bit. Uh, raw recruits or new recruits have to take, uh, about 50 hours of, um, first aid training and you get an EMR license an emergency medical responder license. Um, and that, you know, so you're, you know, more than first aid, you know, um, so you have, you have a lot of knowledge and skills there. Um, and then after that, you know, the training sessions are usually one day, maybe two days, depending on what it is. Um, and then there are some specialized trainings that, you know, uh, you can get sent to. So, you know, uh, search and rescue, you know, we had a, a couple extra long training sessions for that ropes. Um, that's just, you know, you're repelling and getting people up and out of different situations. That, that's uh, initial training is a little bit longer hazmat, you know, just because of different chemicals that you might encounter at the mine site and being able to deal with that. Those initial trainings are a little bit longer. And then you have to usually it's a eight hour a year kind of refresher, you know, and so our training cycles through all these different refreshers every year. And then the new recruits have to take the extra courses or the extra time to get that initial competence level. Um, and so that's kind of the way it goes. And then when we decide we're going to branch out and do something a little bit you know, bigger or deeper, you know, we might all get sent on to something a bit longer or more in depth than what we normally get on a monthly basis. Um, so that's the way the training system works. And once again, you know, it's a, it's kind of a volunteer agency. You know, I mean, the hourly guys get paid to be on the mine rescue team, but they come on their days off uh, to do that training. So it's, it's once again, extra responsibility showing that you want to do that. Um, and so that's kind of how oh, I didn't realize that. So they're in. volunteering for this. They're not getting paid to, to do that training. And well, no, no, they do get paid for the training. Okay. Yeah, if they're here, they yeah. get paid for that, but you know, it's on their, it's on their scheduled days off. Gotcha. So, you know, you're, gotcha. you're giving so up some giving time, up time off time. for, you know, for, for that training. So yeah, no, 100%, they get paid for that. That's really impressive. You were part of that elite team, bam, bam. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I started it up. I, I think probably some of the funnest trainings though was whenever, I'd get John started working on ropes and knots because John took ropes and knots with his scouting background. I was, I was a scout he, master for 10 yeah, years. And he <laughs> dug into that. I mean, he really did. He could, he could tie a knot. And I would get John started on that, and I would go get in a piece of equipment way up in the air, and I'd call him on the radio and go, come get me out of it. I've had a heart attack. And the rescue team would have to respond from the station and come out there and get me out of a – situation that I had put myself into. Um, and I trusted them that much that I'm, they're not going to drop me. You know, I'm not a little fella. There were a couple of times your eyes got a little big. I'm just yeah, saying. You, yeah, yeah, it did get a little, yeah. But, you know, we, we would be out there. And what did that look like, man? man would they, like, tied you up and they were pulling you out of this thing? Put me in a Stokes basket, yeah. a rescue basket, and lowered me down or brought me down or set up a ladder and, you know, tied a a haul system down and slid me down the ladder. And, and you got to realize this piece or... of equipment is, I mean, the, the, the Komatsu 730 is, is a, is a haul truck that carries 200 tons of material on it. So 35 feet in the air is where you're starting from. That's where the cab is. Yeah. So I, I'd tell them, get me down. And we'd be out there looking at something in the mine and I'd walk away from the team and I'd go lay down on you know, one of the one of the high walls, and I'd say, I can't move, and they'd have to carry me out. I um, bet you had a blast coming oh, up yeah, with different yeah. scenarios. I oh, could yeah. see you loving that. Yeah, man. yeah. 
We always wish the thin guy was the one that got. Uh, got yeah, the, but it never was. <laughs> it was always, it never was. It was always we, Bam Bam. And we had a mannequin, but I told him, I said, if you drop Rescue Randy, he's not going to holler. But if you drop Rescue Rusty, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah we we had, it was a it was a good it was a good team. I was honored to to have, have set that team up and. And, and got them the training that they got. But John was an integral part. I actually had to work on John a little bit to get him to actually make time for us because he was so busy training and everything. And, and, and I told him, I said, dude, it, it's, I got to have you. You got to yeah. be on the team. So, but it, it was. And yet, now you say that's one of the most rewarding parts of your Absolutely. career. Absolutely. That's yeah. great. So that's really cool. I'm fascinated by that. Bam Bam used to be in, uh, I mean, you first responder. And so you train for these scenarios. You've been doing this your entire life, training for situations that you, um, where somebody could actually be hurt. They could be injured. They could be sick. Something could be bad, wrong, but you're training for that. So there's a part of you that you're ready. You want to be deployed. Yep, yep. That's but yeah, you also want to make sure that nobody's hurt. And everything, you don't want so. anybody. You don't want anybody. The, the best ones, like John said, are the ones where you go and they're like, "Nope, everything's okay." You know. But we have had to pull somebody out of a confined space. We have had to pull somebody out of trucks. We've had to go get people in remote locations that have that have gotten too hot, dehydrated, and passed out. We you know. Things like that. Um, you know, nothing, you know, we've had somebody in the bottom of a pit, you know, um, break an ankle. Um, you know, we had to go get them and bring them out. Uh, things like that. Um, thankfully, nothing any worse than that. Uh, right. The guy that we pulled out of the truck, uh, whenever we made patient contact, first thing he wanted to know was, where's my spit bottle? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that was, you know, that was good because we knew, He's up. He's talking. He's good. Um, he's in a. That was the first thing that came up. Yes. That was. <laughs> Help me find my spit bottle. Where's my spit cup? Yeah, yeah. I said, hey. I, yeah. When that's it. Was when you know that he's okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's the best one. That's Talk, incredible. Talking and moving. Yep. Yep. I heard you repelling. Oh yeah. Yeah, repellent. Like I said, ha- you know, hazmat. You know, you get the full-on gear and the the breathing apparatus and whatnot. You know, now we, we're in underground. We have an underground mine rescue team. They have a whole different system. You know, you got to be able to basically have a self-contained breathing apparatus, an SCBA, and uh, that that lasts for like four hours on average. But then when you're huffing and puffing carrying somebody, that that air starts to run thin pretty quick. You know. Um, just it's there's there's so much opportunity to learn so many different things on a mine site you know especially one that size yeah you know you, you, you if you're bored that's that's your fault you know you know there's there's opportunity for almost anything and everything well hats off to both of you for doing that that's it's encouraging you know we we've all seen those situations on the news and you you hate to see that it's one of those where everything just stops and you hold your breath until you find out that somebody's okay but to know that 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 team is out there training all the time for that situation, that there's somebody ready to go. So hats off to you for doing that. Yeah. All right, John, so you've worn many hats. What's left? What's left to do? What well, do you? Well, you know, I recently I kind of stepped away from the, the safety department, and um, it kind of interestingly enough, I, I'm glad you asked that question. So I, I, I kind of went into, uh, I'll just say project management as a broad brush um, uh, issue there. So we're, I'm actually working with capital projects um, Building, uh, building infrastructure at the mine site now, and um, 
so I've, I've, I say this in air quotes, uh, but it stepped away from safety. And, I, and you know what? I found that it's actually more important now than even when I was in the safety department because I'm directly in charge of, of the people that are executing the, the job at the mine site, and I'm dealing with them on a daily basis. And I, I got to make sure that, or one of my goals is to make sure that, they're, that they understand and, and know what they should and shouldn't be doing. Um, you know, things change. I, I know that, that uh, uh, hoopa grading does some work in the regular world and some work in the mining world. And, and so a lot of your employees know that, you know, there's some differences and whatnot. And, and that's just trying to keep those people knowledgeable and understanding of what they should and shouldn't be doing. Um, and, you know, really helping make the decisions and set up work and jobs and job sites in a way that they can be successful. And that's, that's really what what we're doing on a, on a daily basis, almost anywhere you're working. And so um, this is a new challenge. You know, I've been doing it for about seven or eight months now. And uh, I have to say that, you know, I've been just excited as can be, you know, working and, and getting things done and just having that new hat on my head and learning new skills. You know, I've done it all before, but from a different perspective. So now I'm kind of taking all those little perspectives and, and all those different learnings that I've had throughout the years and, and kind of coalescing them into this new position and um you know just enjoying the heck out of it that's cool yeah. that's cool to hear you say that we get people all the time that come in and they they think all right i want to be a project manager you know there's some there's some uh glory to having that title right there <laughs> right but to be able to step into that role with the experience that you've been able to develop over the last 15 years it's a different it's a different deal. It's, it's a different deal, and, and it's and, and it's surprising too. You know, some of the things that you thought you knew, maybe you didn't, and right. and some of the things that you thought would be difficult, maybe you realize, oh, well, I've done this somewhere else, and I can bring that forward and, and take care of it. There's definitely, um, there's definitely learning to, to happen, you know, and but that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Once again, we don't want to get complacent. We don't want to get stagnant. And if we do that, you know, you're going to start losing interest. Yeah. And so that's definitely not the case uh, in, in in this field. Um, and, and then once again, going back to that, that attitude is so important, you know, making sure that you're willing to learn, put in the extra time, effort and energy to, to get that, uh, knowledge under you and that ability under your belt. So you can take that forward and, and, and utilize that for, for yourself and your team. Well, John Bam Bam was not lying when he said you had a very fascinating story. This has been a lot of fun. I'm actually thinking about volunteering for the mine. Uh, rescue team. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you're recruiting yeah. still, yeah. but uh, I don't know what the requirements are, but I'm, I'm thinking about volunteering. So, Tell, John's got a story that you've got to hear. All right. Oh, which which one's this one? This is the one where you thought you saw me. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Why are you just now waiting? This is. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just I just thought about this and. I, I, I was debating about bringing this. One Forty-five yeah. minutes into the podcast, he just yeah, he just yeah, thought you, about you, this you, great story. Yeah, you gotta tell him. What you got, John? So, so this actually goes back a few years. This and uh, this this, Bam Bam is the kind of guy that has a presence. If if you know what I mean, you kind of know if he's around or not around. It's just I, I agree. It with just that. happens. I agree. Right? And so, uh, this was the process of the commissioning and the building process, and 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 you know. Schedules are tight, deadlines are looming, you know, everyone's behind. And so we were working seven days a week, 12 hours a day, 365 days a year. In the year 2016, I think I had two days off. You know, it was, it, that was the job, you know, and, and we've all had well, moments in our life where we have that job. 
And I remember it was midweek. It was like a Wednesday, I, you know, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, old Bam Bam wasn't at work, which everybody sort of kind of knew. No one had to say it, but we knew. It's kind of an odd thing. And it was, and it was also one of those weird days where I decided I was going to go to lunch. And so I'm going to leave site and go to lunch. Just needed a few minutes. And so uh, I went to the beautiful town of Kershaw and went and decided to go get some pizza. At the time, it was Gus's, good place in Kershaw if you're there. It's now called the Kershaw House of Pizza. And uh, I go get, get something to eat, a sandwich of some sort, and I get in line. And there's Bam Bam in line right in front of me wearing a pastel polo shirt. Mm. A little, mm. little out of character, but, you know, it's kind of hard not to recognize that um, <laughs> bald head and lack of neck. <laughs> yep. So me being the wonderful, helpful, respectful guy that I am. Friend. S- friend. Yeah. Friend. There you go. Decide to say a few snide comments about, um, <clears throat> about uh, Bam Bam right behind his back. You know, maybe just loud enough so, so he can hear me. And I'm sitting there giggling, and I'm, I'm 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 bringing up something about lack of neck or bald head or you know you know security team this or what whatever you know it was some of the, just a little poke you know here and there you know because he he was gonna turn around you know and 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 give me a big old hug or something like that. Well, nothing actually happens, so I have to poke just a little harder, maybe a little bit louder, just to make sure you can hear. And all of a sudden, this large man turns around and it's not bam bam oh no have you ever seen a bird try to fly backwards i I, you know (laughs) i'm trying to swallow these words and pull them back and there's this oh my gosh i i i figured i was a dead man i i didn't think i was going to make it out of that restaurant alive (laughs) i think i stammered the words uh i am so sorry i i i thought i i i thought i thought you were what did he say rusty duncan what did he say to you? Oh, he cracked a grin once I said his name. He realized what had happened. I think they'd worked together in the past. They knew each other. Oh, he knew Bam Bam. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That yeah. saved your so that, life, right it, it, there, I John. think it did. I think it did. But yeah, I was uh, I was in the wrong there. That could have been I a was, bad I, day. I expected it to be. I'm glad. I'm glad he smiled because, um, you know, some people that I may have met may not have smiled over the years. Look, but. There's two takeaways there. Number one, your angels were watching over you that day. 100%. And the other takeaway is there's another Bam Bam out there. There is. There is. There is another one. That, I thought we had the only one. Yep. Well, truly, you have the only one, but there's there's some, uh, I got twins out there. (laughs) John, it has been so much fun having you in the studio today. Thank you for being willing to come in and share your story with us. Uh, it sounds like uh, you've, you're doing some amazing things. Best of luck to you in your career, and uh, look for my application to come in on the Mind Rescue team. Uh, absolutely. We'd be, we'd be happy to have you come along. Thank you for digging in with us on this episode of Give Us the Dirt, powered by HGC. If you liked what you heard, make sure you leave us a rating and a review and subscribe now on our Apple, Spotify, or YouTube channels so you never miss an episode. To share feedback or suggest our next guest, visit our website at giveusthedirtpodcast.com.